You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Michigan State Spartans 85-57 to at the Breslin Center. This is a game that Michigan State controlled early. Uh, clearly, they heeded whatever message Tom Izzo was giving them during their five-day break between losing to Michigan and tonight's game against Indiana. And Michigan State came out locked in, playing hard, playing excellent pressure defense. Uh, and they really took it to Indiana after the Hoosiers hung tough there uh, in the very early going of the game. Michigan State used an 18 to nothing run uh, to extend their lead, and Indiana never was really to threaten, never really able to threaten after that. Uh, and obviously, to add insult to injury or injury to insult, I suppose, uh, Juwan Morgan goes down in the first half with an ankle injury and did not even come back out to the bench for the second half, which suggests that maybe that injury uh, is more serious uh, than, than any of us would obviously hope it to be. So we'll see if we get any kind of update on that here during the show. And if we do, we will bring it to you. Uh, but otherwise, I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips to break uh, every element of this game down for you here on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Who's Your Proud banner moment. And uh, Early in the second half, again, obviously Indiana playing without Juwan Morgan, already down 19 at halftime. Michigan State came out, and really it looked like it was just going to be more of the same in the second half as they went on an 8-2 to run to start the second half. It's 50-25, to and Archie Miller took a timeout. And when he did that, Mike Pegram, who runs Peaks, tweeted out, this may be as upset and animated as I have seen Archie Miller at IU, furious at his team right now as Michigan State has doubled up the Hoosiers 50-25. to and, you know, when he sent that tweet, my guess is that Archie was trying to send his team a message. You know, you're down 25. Obviously, there's very little chance you're actually going to come back and win that game. But without being there, obviously, in the timeout, you don't know what he said. But I'm thinking it was probably something along the lines of don't feel sorry for yourselves. Don't give up. Don't waste an opportunity to compete. We may not have Duran. We may not have Juwan. But we've got a chance to go out here and play. And let's not have a repeat of the second half of the Wisconsin game. And let's go out there and play hard. And in the immediate aftermath, of that, Indiana went on a quick 4-0 run. Uh, that ended up as a 10-2 run right after that timeout as Robert Johnson made some shots. The guys really battled hard on the boards. And in fact, over the next about 12-13 minutes, Indiana actually kind of won that segment 25-22 to until there was about four minutes left in the second half. And then with the score 72-50, Michigan State calls a timeout. Tom Izzo gets really upset, and his team responds with a 10-0 run. So clearly both teams were responding to being chewed out. But Got to love Izzo coaching like he's down 20 when he's up 20. I love it. I hey, love it. you know what? You know what, though? Izzo has a standard, and Michigan State yeah. has a standard, and that's why I love this. And that's why, to me, it's the banner moment, because it's a sign for the future. There, Look, there's not much positive to take from this game. We'll talk about the few things that there are to take from it. But that, to me, is a good sign that our 
Archie Miller is not going to stand for his team not competing even when they're down and when there's no reason to think that you can come back. He's laying that foundation for the future. I really like seeing that. And even more than that, I like that the team responded. You know, they come out and played really well for about the next 10 minutes in a tough environment against a really good team. And so that was on a night when there weren't very many positives. That was one of the biggest positives that I will take from this game. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. If you're wondering why, you should check out HoosierProud.com. I'll give you three reasons. The first is obviously their designs. They have officially licensed IU gear, which is new this year. So football shirts and basketball themed shirts and soccer themed shirts. They also have our official assembly called logo t-shirts, which you can pick up and a number of really interesting, unique designs inspired by uh, different elements of the Hoosier State. And they're always adding new stuff. They just added some new shirts uh, earlier this week. So you want to keep going to HoosierProud.com, check out all the new merchandise. The second reason to go there is that your purchases support Indiana-based charities because they donate a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And Hoosier Proud has always been very generous with our audience. They give you 15% off your entire order, not just one shirt, not just the assembly call t-shirts, but everything that you order there. Just use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, so that they know that you heard about them here on the assembly call, and they will give you 15% off of your entire order. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy Bottoms has the evening off. Uh, he actually saw on the broadcast that they listed Minnesota as being in the NCAA tournament, and his head exploded. So uh, while he picks up those pieces, we'll go over to Ryan Phillips and get his rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. You know, I, I could rant, rave, and scream about this, and I know that's popular with our audience, but I, I'm, I honestly, I can't complain too much. I think we all knew if you listened to our radio show this week um, or the podcast, you know that we all thought that Indiana was staring down the barrel of a very large and loaded shotgun for this game. Um, Michigan State coming off three poor performances. They lost two of them. They probably should have lost to Rutgers, though they won in overtime. Uh it, and then having five days with Tom Izzo uh, to beat it into them that they needed to play better. Uh, I think anybody who went into that, I don't care who you are in the country, anybody who went into that game was going to get ripped by Michigan State. They just, they came in focused. They showed why they are, along with Duke, the two most talented teams in the country. There's no question about that for me. And I think that if you combine talent and coaching, Michigan State is the best team. Now, how do they perform? Well, that's been an issue for them so far this year. But when they're on, they're as good as anybody. And tonight they were on. And, and Indiana really, I, I don't think it was a lack of effort. I don't think it was a lack of focus or anything like that. I think once they got behind, yeah, you know, you started to see some cracks form because there was no way they were going to come back and win that game. And you saw some poor play uh, at times, but for the most part, Indiana was fine. It just, you know, that effort against a lesser team probably gets you in the game, but playing on the road against a Michigan state team that focused and that on, there was no chance. And, and Indiana, showed the effort that you'd like tried. I mean, there were, you know, Michigan state was nailing contested shots in the first half. They were just out muscling and out manning Indiana. They used their length to great advantage. They had seven blocks and probably double that in affected shots. Um, you know, this is just, this is a really, really good team. And this is the team that Indiana aspires to be maybe with a more veteran presence, but 
that's the best team in the country when they're on and, and Indiana did what it could. It just wasn't enough. I mean, look at some of the numbers. If some of you saw when we came on, I was flinching because I was looking at some of the numbers, 45 rebounds to 27 for, for Michigan state. I mean, I was shocked that they only got 12 offensive rebounds. Indiana had eight, you know, I mean, so it wasn't like they got killed on the, on the defensive glass, but it just in general, the numbers are awful. I mean, Michigan State is is a decent three point shooting team. But they're not great. They hit fifty percent of the threes, ten of twenty. They hit fifty four percent from the field. I mean, that was a team that was ready to play and on. And twenty three assists on thirty two field goals. I mean, that's just a fantastic team. And Indiana ran into them at the wrong time. If Indiana plays them last week when Rutgers played them, maybe it's a different story. But not a focused, uh, angry Michigan State team. You're not going to beat them on the road. and uh, So that was just a rough night for Indiana fans, I know, but I, I don't think you can really... This isn't like after Fort Wayne or after Indiana State where you can say, oh man, they played terribly. I, I don't think they did. I just think this game was way above their level right now. Yeah, I agree with you. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's 85-57 to 57 loss to Michigan State, you know, and I suppose that's why obviously you're disappointed when the team loses this poorly. And there are certainly some things Indiana could have done differently, but I don't find myself feeling really devastated after this loss outside of the fear of what's going on with Juwan Morgan and devastated anytime you see a guy go down like that. But this is a game that when you looked at it before the season started was the first one that you put an L next to <laughs> at Michigan State, the potential number one team. Uh, and so you kind of expected that it would happen, uh, and, and you certainly expected it a little bit more when you saw how poorly they had played and that they had those five days off. And you know, my wife actually said something during the game that I thought was a really interesting point. She, you know, Miles Bridges flashes up on the screen, and she follows Indiana, but you know, she doesn't really follow other teams in the Big Ten very closely. And she said, "Man, that guy looks like he should be in the NBA. None of your guys look like they could be in the NBA." And you know, I thought that was a pretty good point that kind of sums it up pretty well why Michigan State dominated this game because for the most part you know Michigan State they had the size they have the length they have NBA players and it just kind of looked like most of the Indiana guys didn't really belong on the same court just when you talk about the athleticism uh, and the size needed in a game like this Robert Johnson obviously had a really nice game Josh Newkirk uh, became a volume shooter but but picked up 14 points and I think uh, Justin Smith did some good things yeah, but outside of that, I mean, even Juwan Morgan, when he was in the game, he played 16 minutes. He was only able to score two points and grab three rebounds. You know, even he wasn't really able to get into it as much as he has been able to. So he also it, only got five shots off and he had plenty of time on the block with position. But Nick Ward is just he's just too good. I mean, it was one of those things where they're just better and they're taller and they're longer and they're you know, there's all of that stuff piles up. And we said earlier in the week, we said this is a terrible matchup for Indiana. Yeah. You know, with size and length. And and you know, even when you get a driving lane, yeah, and and we saw it with with uh Johnson and Newkirk several times they got by the perimeter and had a driving lane, but they just too long. And you know, they get in there and they affect the shot, they block shots. Uh, and you know, when your backup post guy is Freddie McSwain, who's six six on a good day, and you're facing six ten, six eleven, you know. It with length, with NBA length as well. I mean, it's just, it's not going to be a good game for you. And, and even when Morgan was down there, it has opportunities. He couldn't get a shot off. And that's just uh, the reality of playing against uh, Michigan State right now against this team. So, uh, I mean, you can be upset. I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not excusing. You don't excuse getting losing by 29 on their 28 on the road. But at the same time, you kind of got to put it into perspective where both of these teams are at right now.
Yeah, and this was clearly the first time since Deron Davis went out that you really, really felt that loss. Not that Deron Davis makes this a competitive game, but obviously having another big body down there uh, you know, to absorb some of what Nick Ward was doing and to be someone that you could throw it into. I mean, Indiana has been a team that has really relied on getting the ball inside and using its strong two-point field goal percentage. I mean, Indiana really settled for a lot of threes in the first half. I think, what, 16 of their 30 shots in the first half were three-pointers, something like that. And part of that was Indiana settling. Part of it was they just couldn't get the ball inside to get any good shots, you know? And, and there we were just no good shots to be had. Honestly. No, there really weren't. And we talked about how Indiana was going to have to hit six, seven, eight three pointers to give themselves a chance in this game. And they did hit eight because Robert and Josh both hit four, but it took them 26 threes to do it. And the formula that Ohio State and that Michigan used to beat Michigan State was take 14 or 15 threes, make six or seven of them, but then get the ball inside. And, and Indiana, especially once Morgan went out, they just weren't going to be able to do it. And I'll give the guards some credit. I thought Robert, I thought Josh, I thought Al Durham really tried their best, more so in the second half than in the first half, but they really tried to get the ball inside and to drive and attack the hoop a little bit more um, and did a better job of it in the second half. But, but then you got to finish once you get there and you're right. finishing against Nick Ward and Jaron Jackson, two of the better interior defenders. You know, so it's, it's, it's almost like you're damned if you do taking those three pointers, but you're damned if you don't because you go in and you're going up against that length. And when those guys shade over to help you, it's not like you have size to pass the ball over to, to get somebody to finish. So uh, just that was a Michigan state team as disciplined and fundamentally sound as you can find. Um, and you know what? I'll tell you what, that Michigan state team can get even better. They turn the ball over 13 times. And a lot of those are boneheaded, you know? I mean, so you look at that team and you're just like, man, how good can they be? And again, at the beginning of the season, you looked at it and you said that Michigan state team Nobody's going to go undefeated in college basketball probably ever again, I don't think, with the with the parity. Um, but, man, that Michigan State team looks as as good as anybody. And people said Michigan State and Duke are the two are the one and two. Those are the best two teams on paper. And Michigan State looked like it tonight, and, and they can get better. And you look at that team. If they play like that, who can beat them? I mean, honestly, who can beat them? I, I don't think there's anybody out there who can beat them. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers a little bit more, although maybe we'll shorten that segment a little bit because they're not very good. So we don't For the dwell. sake of my health, please we do. We don't want to dwell on them too long. All right. That's next year on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show.
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. We are breaking down Indiana's 85-57 to 57 loss up in East Lansing tonight to the Michigan State Spartans. It's time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, and there's a couple of them that I want to point out. And for a while, this was going to be my banner moment uh, tonight. But I want to give some kudos to Robert Johnson. I thought in terms of an individual who played well tonight, I think Robert is the one guy that you can really look at and really be pleased with what he did. He ends up scoring 21 points. He had seven rebounds, and we know how big of a key it has been for Archie Miller with his guards rebounding. Robert Johnson led the team in rebounds. Um, also four of six from downtown, so we've really seen his three-point shooting start to go back toward his more well-established uh, career averages, which has been nice to see. But I was especially impressed with how he came out at the beginning of the game. We all knew this was going to be a tough game, and anytime that you're playing a team as good as Michigan State in their building, uh, you know it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. You know they're going to try and get out early. It's up to the seniors to make some shots and help settle things down, and I thought the mindset that Robert came into this game with, he was very aggressive, and he was ready to lead Indiana early in the game, and for a guy who has really been up and down this year in terms of his aggressiveness and who we know Archie Miller in his last press conference talked about how he wants Robert to shoot more and stop passing up shots. I think Robert really heeded his coach's advice tonight. You know, he he hit a three at the end of the shot clock really early in the game that really I thought kind of settled things down a little bit where Indiana looked really, really out of sorts offensively right at the start. Then he went coast to coast after a missed free throw and made a layup. Then a few possessions later, he drained a three from the corner off a nice little pass from Juwan. And that bucket right there actually put Indiana up 10 to 9. So even though Oh memories. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and even though, you know, watching that. Even though Indiana was ahead by one, you felt like Michigan State was in total control of the game because the shots they were getting were much easier than the shots that that Indiana was getting and that Robert was making. But at the end of the day, Robert made those shots and Indiana was hanging tough. And that's what you look to a senior to do. And Robert was never going to be able to win this game by himself. And no one else was really able to step up in the first half to put forth any resistance. But I was really impressed on an individual level with how Robert came out and played in that first half. And if he had had some other guys, you know, capable or able of stepping up with him, maybe this could have been a more competitive game that wasn't able to happen. But uh, kudos to Robert Johnson, because I thought he played well at the beginning. And then I thought he really responded well to Archie Miller's, you know, team tongue lashing there in the second half. And he was really the, one of the ones who made a lot of the plays that got that little Indiana run going. So nice leadership from the senior who also Kudos to him past James Blackman Jr. on the all-time scoring list tonight. Uh, so, uh, you know, a good night all around for Robert Johnson despite the loss for his team. Uh, I've got another meaningful moment, but do you want to comment at all on Rojo before we move well, on? I, I want he you was to clearly know. the player of the game for Indiana. Uh, team Tongue Lashing is the name of my progressive alt-rock cover band, uh, by the way. So, uh, no, I look, I, I agree. I think I think Robert was out there doing what he could. I you mentioned guys passing up shots and and that, that he wants Robert or wants Robert to shoot more. The guy who needs to stop passing up shots is Zach McRoberts. He had four or five wide open looks tonight and just passed him up. And I know he, he looked scared to shoot it tonight. Exactly. And I know he's not a shooter, but you know what, dude? If you're gonna be on the floor, you gotta shoot when you're that open. And you know what? Maybe if you shoot some, you'll get some more confidence and shoot some more. I mean, I just thought he was a big nothing tonight and and I haven't thought that about McRoberts all year. I just thought he provided, he really provided nothing. And sadly, I know he was facing miles bridges on the other end. So it might've crushed his confidence because bridges, I mean, he was, you know, there were times where McRoberts was in perfect position and bridges just abused him, you know, and that's just, that's a guy who's going to be in the NBA next year against a walk-on, 
you know, and, and so, uh, give, I give Zach credit for effort. He did play 24 minutes tonight and, and, you know, but at the same time, he's got to start shooting the ball. I mean, if he's going to be out there, he's got to start shooting the ball. Um, or else there's, there's really no point in, in he had that little stretch there for a while where he was shooting. Now, granted that was against kind of the Youngstown States of the world. Um, he hasn't really shown it against better competition, but I agree with you. He's going to have to, cause he's playing big time minutes and it can't just be four on five offensively when he's on and the teams are just leaving him alone. I mean, they really are. And so why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and also, you know, Colin Hartman was 0 of 5 from the field tonight and 0 of 4. Now, to his, again, to his credit, he didn't have many good looks. And he was just, it was kind of the thing where a couple times he just felt like it looked like he felt like, um, I really need to, you know, shoot the ball at, at here and, and nobody else is going to. So I kind of need to fire it up. I, I uh, thought this but, game looked way too fast and big for Colin. I, I thought it was that way for a lot of IU's players. I mean, and it was, it was to their credit again, it it's again, that's just who they were playing. I mean, yeah. that's a team that is just light years beyond a lot of other teams. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I I'm struggling to find other than Purdue who in the big 10 and Ohio state, obviously, but who in the big 10 would have lost by less than 25 tonight. I mean, those are the only two teams I can think of who would have. I, I just Michigan, don't. Maybe since they beat them by 10 last game. Maybe, but but, not, but a, not if Michigan State played like they did tonight, perhaps. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, if they play like this, I mean, they're, they're blowing everybody out. And so I think that, yeah, everybody looked slow. Everybody looked unathletic. Everybody looked, uh, you know, just a step behind everything that Michigan State was doing. And to their credit, that's that's just who Michigan State is right now. Yeah, I, I thought the other kind of meaningful moment back to the first half when the game was still a little bit, you know, not not quite fully decided yet. It was 18 to 10. And it's kind of one of those spots in a road game where, OK, the home team has made their little run. Now you've got to find a way to string together some stops, get a couple of buckets and settle things down a little bit. And, and Indiana had a chance. You know, they doubled Nick Ward. He made a bad pass, which is exactly what they wanted to do. You know, th that's Ward's weakness is he's not a great passer out of the double teams and Al Durham had a chance to get a really easy steal, but he just kind of butterfingered it. Couldn't get it. It ends up going over to Jaron Jackson on the reversal and he made a three that made it 21 to 10. And it was a huge play because it could have been 18, 10 going the other way with a transition opportunity. Instead, it's a three pointer, the momentum builds. And then on the next possession, Devonte green, just, I don't know what he was doing on his closeout on Matt McQuaid, but I mean, he just let him blow right by him to the baseline instead of forcing him to the middle, offered no resistance. Juwan Morgan had to come over and help, but he was kind of out of position. He ends up fouling. McQuaid makes the circuit shot and hits his free throw. And now all of a sudden it's 24 to 10. It would become 27 to 10. And that was the end of that 18-0 run for Michigan State. And I thought, you know, those two spots right there, you've got a chance to make a play defensively that can maybe help lead you to offense, especially when you're struggling offensively. Indiana wasn't able to make it. Now, look, it was inevitable that Michigan State was going to run away with it, but I thought that's where it really turned and where basically from that point forward, Indiana just didn't have another chance in the game. Yeah, and I think there was a, a media timeout after that play too, and you just felt like coming out of that. I'm not sure if it was there or if it was a few like a minute later or whatever. I think it was right there. Uh, you just felt like, yeah, the game's over at that point, and and I think you could see that the players knew what was going on there too. So well, and we actually made a little five zero run right after that. Green made that shot. Newkirk hit a three. It's twenty seven fifteen. But then again, they but just kind of built it right back out. It, yeah, it yeah. Felt oh yeah. So uh, it did. Yeah. Yeah, from that point is when it was like, all right, this is this is probably done. 
Yeah, I, I would agree do. with that. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's demolition uh, tonight up in uh, up at the Breslin Center in East Lansing as they lose 85 to 57. Ryan, let's uh, <clears throat> let's intrepidly go inside some of these numbers. Uh, I think one of the numbers that really jumps out, and this will give us a chance to talk about him. Josh Newkirk takes 17 shots. Uh, I don't have his career game log up, but I can't imagine he's ever taken that many shots uh, in a game. He's five of 17, you know, so he does score 14 points, but obviously not very efficient getting a couple of those were threes that happened very late in the game, too. So that definitely were that looks better than it did with about five minutes left or so. You know, they were. And I think some of the shots in the first half, I thought Indiana definitely settled for too many threes in the first half when you still would have liked to see him probe it inside a little bit more. Uh, But I, I don't know, you know, in hindsight. I guess I don't find myself too upset with a lot of those shots, just given the game flow and and what Michigan State was doing to us when we did drive it in there. Um, but you know, on a night where you just weren't getting production from anybody, I guess what you can say about Newkirk is at least you know he stepped up and was able to give him some points. And so you know, Indiana senior guards they score thirty five points. And if you had told me that Johnson and Newkirk were going to put up thirty five points, I would have felt pretty good about our you know our opportunity tonight. But you know, no one else really able to get going. Obviously, when Morgan only gives you two, and then it isn't even able to play in the second half, you're not going to have much of a chance. Um, but that number uh, jumped out to me. You know, Indiana, in terms of two-point field goal percentage, they only shoot 38% from two. That's basically what Michigan State has been holding teams to this year. They are number one in the country in two-point field goal percentage defense. They're number one in effective field goal percentage defense. Uh, and they basically held Indiana to those averages. And when Ohio State, when Michigan beat Michigan State, they were able to surpass what Michigan State had been giving up. Yeah. So Indiana kind of played right into Michigan State's hands uh, and right into to some of the averages. And as we talked about on Assembly Call Radio, that was part of the formula that Indiana was going to have to use. You know, to Indiana's credit, yeah. they didn't turn the ball over a ton. Indiana only had nine turnovers, a percentage of 13.5%. So that's one that you look at uh, from a positive standpoint. Uh, but otherwise, just the inability to get good shots and then the inability to hit a high enough percentage of the ones that you did get, especially the ones down low, uh, that really doomed the Hoosiers. Yeah, I would say that, that you know this was a typical Michigan State defensive performance. This is what we've seen all year. I mean, pretty much. The problem Michigan State has had is effective offense, and their offense was incredibly effective tonight. I mean, you know, they just everybody got in on it. I mean, four of the five starters were in double figures. Nick Ward, 18 points, 13 rebounds, five offensive rebounds. Miles Bridges was unbelievable. Four of six from three, 22 points. I mean, and and they were efficient. And and that's, you know, Lankford was the only guy who wasn't efficient. He was three of 12, and he had seven points. But he also had six rebounds, uh, you know, three assists, and only one turnover in 20 three minutes so nobody was bad for them and then he got McQuaid playing pretty well he had 11 which is you know more than you usually expect from him so I look they were just so efficient offensively that it just crushes anything you have because their defense is as you said always good and they might be the most the best team defensive team in the country they that's just what they've been doing to teams all year the problem has been uh getting effective offense going and tonight their their offense was ridiculously effective they also I mean, like had, I said, 23 assists on yep. 32 makes is unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That was the other one. and, and Especially they to, for a team with so much individual talent to share the ball like that. Because a lot of times when you're that talented, you do a lot of one-on-one. I mean, that's just part of the plan. You dump it in the post, let a guy back down for five seconds, and then and then shoot it. Or you get bridges on the wing and let him go. But 
to get 23 assists when you're this talented, that that means you're you're playing pretty darn well and you're sharing the basketball. Yeah, and in most games when Indiana has played well, they have had an advantage in points in the paint, or it's at least been even. Tonight, Michigan State outscores Indiana 38-18 to 18, uh, in terms of points in the paint. They also had a huge advantage in points off of turnovers in the first half, although Indiana evened that up a little bit in the second half. Um, what but about per- the, I mean, the rebounds, too, is just to lose to lose the rebounding battle by 18. By 18. And Indiana's not a bad rebounding team. I mean, they've actually, the games they've won, they've they've... You know, solidly out rebounding their opponents. And no, actually, but, but when you take Jawan Morgan out of it for the sure. second half, that yeah. that really hurts. Uh, you know, again, I, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't look at it and think Indiana's not competing on the boards or trying. You know, at some, That's you know, some of those boards, really... some of the boards that Freddie McSwain's able to get in other games, he's just not going to get because they're going to swallow him up. Yeah, because their size and athleticism uh, is going to is going to beat him. So, uh, quick update on Jawan Morgan here uh, from some Twitter reports. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, Juwan leaving the Breslin Center on crutches, uh, according to Zach Osterman's Twitter account. No tangible cast or leg on his foot, but he is leaving on crutches. Uh, and apparently, uh, Archie Miller said that Morgan would be reevaluated when they get back home, which is what you'd expect. That's uh, Zane Pirelli uh, saying that. So, obviously, not a great sign that he's on crutches. Not a great sign that he didn't come out for the second half. Not a great sign when you just saw... I mean, when you saw the injury, I mean, if you didn't see it, he turned his... Uh, his left ankle on his right foot making a post move. I mean, it was just he tripped over his own feet. Uh, it, you know, it looked like a, a sprained ankle. He's kind of writhing around in pain there on the ground. Um, so hopefully we get good news on that. And maybe that's an angle that we can talk about, Ryan, a little bit here as we move forward in the show. There's not a ton left really to break down in this game, <laughs> I don't think, that's that's useful. Although, although I will say, I do think we need to talk a little bit about Justin Smith. I think we need to talk a little bit about Devontae Green. So we'll get to those guys. And then let's talk about what this Indiana team can do if they have to play without Jawan Morgan for any extended period of time. Um, because my guess is they're going to have to play with him for at least some period of time. Uh, and I don't know what that's going to look like. So we'll try to make our best stab at it, I guess, here in this next segment that is coming up on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss at Michigan State. Uh, And Ryan, before we kind of talk about what an Indiana team would look like without Juwan Morgan here moving forward with this tough schedule that the Hoosiers have coming up, a couple other individuals that I want to talk about. Justin Smith finished the game with nine points. He had four offensive rebounds. I'm sure most of those came in the second half. I really thought he battled a lot more in the second half, and I liked what I saw out of him. Made a nice jump shot. I thought... You know, early in the game, I thought he got a little bit spooked because he had two nice drives into the basket early. And I thought it was pretty clear that he got fouled on one of them. Nothing was Archie called. Thought, you know, Ar- Archie, Archie was screaming at the officials. Yeah, he, he agreed. Um, and that's been an issue for Justin finishing down low and obviously going up against Michigan State. It's going to be hard for him. But I thought in the second half, he was more aggressive, played, you know, played a little bit stronger. So not a great game from Justin, but I thought some good signs from him in a tough environment against a tough opponent. And then I thought Al Durham did some nice things. I thought he had some nice drives to the basket. I thought the little Euro step uh, finish that he had was nice to see. So, you know, he had five points uh, and really made an effort to get the ball into the paint. And for a guy as little as him, 
Uh, you know, he certainly took some contact, but his ability to finish against Michigan State a couple of times was impressive. So not great performances from the freshmen, but I thought each of them showed showed a little something against a tough opponent, which is, I guess, something positive to take from this one. Yeah, I, I think Justin Smith, he was definitely shook early. And, you know, they had him out guarding. Who was he guarding to start? Was it Jaron Jackson? Um, yeah, he was I guarding Jackson because Juwan was on Ward and McRoberts was on Miles Bridges. So it was like basically what we predicted. Um, and, and yeah, I, I thought that, you know, that's just a tough matchup. He's facing a 6'11 freshman or 6'10 freshman, you know, I mean, who's, you know, an all world, everything, probably an NBA guy next year. And Justin, you know, is just getting his feet wet in, in college basketball still. I mean, I know it's another freshman, but Jackson's been starting since he walked on campus. Um, you know, and I thought in the second half, he really did settle down and and look for these young guys. This was a learning experience. That's a hostile environment. The crowd give Michigan State's students credit for a Friday night crowd that was lit. They were all over it. They were into the game. Even when it was still a blowout, they were loud and they were engaged. And so good for them, uh, you know, being there and being loud on a Friday, which is, you know, not always a guarantee uh, in a game when it's, you know, not on a typical day on a Saturday or a midweek, you feel like that's going to happen. Fridays, you never know. And so credit to them. And and they definitely got some of the freshmen spooked. Uh, I thought Al Durham, again, in the second half played better as well. He was also, he was trying his darndest on defense, but just was having a rough time with those guys with Cassius Winston uh, and Lankford and and Bridges out there when he'd switch on to him or help out. I mean, he was just having a real tough time and, and that's understandable. Those guys are all studs and, and he was just struggling. So, um, yeah, I thought there were some encouraging signs in the second half. And again, learning experience. There's stuff to build on here, and and particularly for Justin Smith, who I think needs to continue to get better, especially if Jawan Morgan's going to be out. Yeah, I caught you in the middle of a drink of water. You did. Yeah, no question about it. Devontae Green, I think any hopes that his strong performance in the Penn State game would propel him forward have been dashed a little bit. Defensively, I thought he was you know pretty good in the first half of that Northwestern game, but offensively, he was pretty bad against Northwestern. And tonight, really didn't give Indiana a lot. He made that one shot in the first half that was nice to see, uh, but otherwise, his defense wasn't great. He forced a lot of threes in that first half. I mean, obviously, a lot of guys did, but but he did as well. And, and so, I think this is the kind of game where you look for a spark from a guy like Devontae Green. Maybe he can give you kind of what he did against Seton Hall. Uh, but he only played 10 minutes and really didn't do a lot with those minutes. Archie was very frustrated with him. Well, yeah, and, and given how thin Indiana was, especially with Morgan out, you would think he would get more time. But it just, again, you hope maybe that Penn State game, the light bulb turned on. Who knows if the light bulb is going to turn on? But certainly I don't think we saw any signs tonight uh, that were any closer to that. So that was a disappointment. Yeah. As we've mentioned before, he plays a lot like a freshman. He really does, and he makes a lot of simple mistakes. And and you know they showed one time out where Archie was screaming at them, and this was noted by a few people on Twitter. Is Archie screaming at them? There was too much perimeter action, not enough playing through the paint, not enough going inside, yeah. and they come right down and Devontae jacks you know jacks up a terrible three. Um, you know, so it's just you know, it's a focus thing with him and he's just got to be more plugged into what the team needs and what the team is doing, especially if he's going to be a point guard type guy. So you're going to have the ball in your hands. You got to know what the team is going to do, but he didn't turn the ball over, but he took some bad shots, which are just as bad as turnovers. And that's, that's the thing. Indiana had nine turnovers, but they probably had about 15 terrible shots that were 
some of which were forced by Michigan State's defense. I, I would actually put that number more at like 25 bad shots. But again, some of those are forced by by the defense. But a couple times, Devontae just unforced errors, just firing up a shot when, you know, you can get that kind of shot anytime in the shot clock. You know, you've got to work hard and, and get a better uh, get a better look at that point. And that is a lot of bad shots, 25. <laughs> they took 59. I know. Uh, you know, I'm not I, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at I mean they made 20 and took 25 bad shots. You know, that's why I think and some of those bad shots went down. A few of them did. Um yeah. but you know as far as is yeah, I I I think I'm looking at the number of shots they took tonight. I got to say about half of them were either contested or just yeah, too but, early in the clock or bad. You know, I mean and a contested shot's a bad shot. I mean, sometimes you can't help it, but a contested shot's a bad shot. Yeah, the the one other guy that I want to talk about is Freddie McSwain, who, again, you see his limitations in a game like this because he's not real fundamentally sound on defense and, and you know, a, a pretty good offensive action is typically going to confuse him and get him out of position. Uh, but I, I tell you what about Freddie in the second half. I thought he battled and I he thought didn't. he played with a bit of an attitude and a bit of a fierceness and, and you know, he had that one dunk and he kind of flexed and yeah, Indiana's down by 25 or 27 or whatever. And, you know, Jaron Jackson got a dunk, I think the next time down and kind of looked his way, like, what are you doing? But you know what? I don't mind that from Freddie because it would have been really easy for this team to kind of pack it in and other, you know, the Michigan State fans may look at that as a little bit ridiculous, but I, I think the team kind of needs some of that sometimes because this is a reserve team without a lot of personality and emotion. And I think just his fight, you know, there were a couple of offensive rebounds uh, that he got, uh, you know, where he's going up against guys that that have three or four inches on him and, and, and can even jump higher than he can. And he battled for him, battled for a couple of tie ups. So, you know, it, you saw the limitations from Freddie. But I really thought his fight and, and just kind of the aggressiveness that he showed in the second half was something this team needed uh, and, and gave the team a little bit of life. So I want to give him some kudos for that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I complained that he was getting so much time because I just thought the game was bigger than him as far as size goes. And uh, after that, he made me by words. He he played very hard and he, he did battle. And that's the word to use. He battled and he fought. And, and who else know, is going to get the time? I mean, exactly, I guess you give it to Clifton. Clifton. Yeah, that was but the only guy. I was, that's the guy I was thinking. But, you know, I mean, just because of his length, you put him in there, give him a shot, you know, and and get him some experience because you weren't going to win the game, you know. Yeah. But and he got he wound up getting about seven minutes. But, yeah, I mean, Freddie, you know, look, he fought. And and that's all you can say tonight about some of these guys is they battled. They tried. They they worked hard. Um, but you're just again, you're up against a juggernaut and and there's not really much you can do. And there's not much anybody could do. It's not just an Indiana basketball thing. It's a it's a national thing. I mean, these this is a juggernaut of a team uh that played like it tonight. Although Clifton Moore was plus four. So maybe if he plays the whole game, different result. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've been I've been screaming for the kid to get playing time. When are they gonna listen to me? Uh yeah, the limitations of plus minus. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's loss to Michigan State. So Ryan, let's talk about you know, we, we talked on the radio show about this gauntlet that Indiana has coming up. So this was the first game of seven and 17 days. On Monday, Indiana plays Maryland at home. Uh, that's a game that with a healthy Juwan Morgan, you looked at and said, all right, you know, Indiana should have a chance in this. And Maryland's a good team. They're top 40 in Ken Palm, dealing obviously with the injury to Justin Jackson, but Indiana should have a chance. Then you go on the road to Illinois, which is another game that if you're going to get to eight, nine, 10 wins at Big Ten play, you kind of look at as one that you need to get. And then you come home for Purdue. 
you know, number two in the country right now, obviously going to be a tough game. You hope that you have some Simon Scott Assembly Hall magic, but uh, even with that, that's going to be a tough game. Now, as you look at those games, possibly without Juwan Morgan, what does that look like for this team? I mean, did you see anything tonight with them playing without him that is something that they can kind of build on for the future? Or is this just, I mean, I mean, is this team going to be able to compete with Big Ten teams without Juwan Morgan, I guess is the question I'll pose to you. I mean, I think they'll be able to compete. I don't know how successful they'll be, though. They're going to have to change the philosophy a little bit, though. I think they're going to have to spread it out more. I think you're going to get Colin Hartman in the starting lineup. I think you're going to have he's going to have to start hitting some shots uh, from the outside. I think that you're going to have to have the team play a lot like they did in that stretch with Tom Crean, where he just went with five perimeter players, and you'd have guys flashing in the in the middle of the of the defense. But you know they're going to have to hit some shots. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Without Joan Morgan, you're going to have to hit from the perimeter, and you're going to have to be able to drive one on one and get to the basket. Um, and then maybe your post guys can clean it up. But I think it's going to be Justin Smith and Colin Hartman at the forward positions. Uh, I think you're going to have to figure out what your guard rotation is going to be with Newkirk, McRoberts, and Johnson. McRoberts going to have to start hitting some shots. I mean, he cannot be out there and give you a zero for zero, even if you shoot it at least there's a chance at a rebound. You, you know, I mean, at least there's something like that can happen. Uh, and then you're going to lean on Freddie McSwain and definitely Clifton Moore some more. And a guy like Devontae Green has to step up too and start. We know he's capable yeah. of hitting shots. See, I, see, I think it's actually a big opportunity for him, especially Absolutely. if you're playing a little bit more spread out. That's the chance. That, that I think he's got a chance here to maybe spread his wings a little bit and do some of the things that we've seen him do at times, but but, but expecting to count on him obviously is not a smart thing to do. Here's the thing is that anytime any player goes down, it's an opportunity for a guy who's not playing a ton or a guy who's not playing well to step up. And we saw that with Justin Smith stepping up. We've seen, uh, you know, with, when, with the Ron Davis now announced out for the year, they're getting Clifton Moore in, in more. And, and, you know, anytime somebody goes down, that's what it is. It's an opportunity. Curtis Jones transfers. Zach McRoberts is, is playing a lot more than you probably expected. I mean, it, that's just what it is. The every every negative is an opportunity for these guys to step up and play well. And so that's what this is. I mean, it, it depending on how long Jawan's out, you obviously hope it's not that long, but these other guys are going to have a chance, even if it's not a game, even if he's back for the next game, they're going to have a chance of practice to show what they can do and 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 you know prove themselves. And I think that that's what this is for these guys. They have to view it as an opportunity and not some kind of negative. And the reality of the situation is this is an Indiana team predicted before the season to finish anywhere from 8th to 12th, really, in the conference. Yeah, so you know, probably 10th on average. And that was with Juwan Morgan, you know, with Deron Davis, and obviously with Curtis Jones still on the team. Now you're going to face a stretch without those three guys. Those were three of the top four recruits on this Indiana roster. You know, Robert Johnson is the only other guy, really, that was a top 50 player. Uh, you know, Morgan was a, a certainly a top 100 player. Davis was a top 50 player. Jones was somewhere in the, like, 50 to 80 range. And even though you didn't get anything from him this year, we all kind of projected, hey, maybe he's a breakout guy. He's an X factor for this team. So now you go into these, guys, into these games without those guys. I know... You know, Archie Miller never wants to talk about moral victories and all of that stuff. And and the standard is the standard and, and you still expect to win games. Certainly expectations have to be readjusted a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see what you can piece together. But I will say this, 
based on his track record, if there's anybody that you would want at the helm, you know, playing with an undermanned team that doesn't have many scholarship players and is dealing with some of this stuff, I think Archie Miller's the guy, you know, I mean, he did it at Dayton. Now that Dayton team uh, that he, you know, where he famously, you know, they had six scholarship players and they end up making the NCAA tournament and winning a couple games. They certainly, I think that team probably had more talent uh, on it than Indiana is going to take into its next game. Um, but I think Archie's the type of guy to at least devise a plan and get the guys to play hard enough to where they can compete in those games. And whether or not they'll actually have the skills and the abilities to do it, uh, we will see. But, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they how they adjust. And, and hopefully this entire last five minutes is all for naught and Morgan's ready to play. But I can't say after seeing the injury and kind of seeing these Twitter reports that I'm uh, that I'm real optimistic about it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that it's going to take uh, a big effort from these guys to turn things around. Yep. All right, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. That should be easy. Look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Michigan State in last call. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 85-57 to loss to the Michigan State Spartans. Tonight, when really everything that could go wrong for the Hoosiers went wrong, including an injury to their best player, uh, a guy in Juwan Morgan, who was really threatening for, for an all-Big Ten spot coming into tonight. But he was held in check while he was out there, only two points in 16 minutes, and then goes down with an ankle injury. And so we wait word on how many games he will be out. Uh, but Ryan, let's do uh, some game balls for this game. And I think it's pretty obvious uh, who's going to get the game ball for this one. No, I'm switching mine up. I'm going with Freddie McSwain in the second half. I, I just, like it. I, I loved his effort in the second half when that game was a blowout. I mean, it was 30 points at one point, and he was still fighting and he was scratching and clawing and, you know, playing with pride. And, you know, even though he was completely outmanned, I thought one was great. He, somebody drove, I didn't, I didn't catch who it was because I was setting up for the show. I didn't catch who it was, but drove in and McSwain came off the weak side from behind and blocked his shot when you're down 25, you know, and just knocked it out of bounds. And, you know, that kind of effort is what the team is going to need over the next couple of weeks to to really keep afloat, uh, especially if Jawan Morgan's out. So I, I love the way he fought. I know he only he only had four points. He only had five rebounds, uh, played 20 minutes uh, and, you know, and had four personal fouls. But he battled and he fought and I liked it. I liked what I saw from him. And, and it, especially, you know, I do feel a little bad for sort of saying that he didn't belong in the game. Um, I w- it wasn't a harsh assessment. I was making the assessment about just I thought that he was too small for the game. Well, for the reality was, is you're probably not going to beat Michigan state. If Freddie McSwain is playing 20 minutes, but yeah, he I mean, was out he there guarding, and did the best he could, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was guarding ward and I was, my point was just, you know, I just don't think he should be in putting, you shouldn't put him in that position. It's just not a position he's going to succeed in. And uh, right after that, I'll give him credit. He really was fighting hard and, 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 you know, setting a pretty darn good example for the rest of the team. So I give my game ball to him. Yeah, look, I think Archie gets a game ball for not putting up with the lackluster start to the second half and nipping that in the bud and I think helping to lead the team to that 25-22 run in the second half, which was you know, clearly the best stretch that they played. Uh, but my game ball goes to Robert Johnson. I think we saw tonight some of the things we've been wanting to see, an aggressive mindset. Uh, you know, he was efficient. He only took 13 shots to get just 21 points. 
and he rebounded on a night when Indiana got dominated on the glass. You know, Robert continued to rebound from the guard position. He had seven. In fact, I'm curious. We know that the benchmark for Indiana is 12 for guard rebounds. And that includes Zach McRoberts. So Johnson had seven. Newkirk had two. So that's nine. Durham didn't have any. Devontae Green didn't have any. Zach McRoberts didn't have any. So they only got nine. They didn't get to the 12. Uh, so I think that's the first game since Archie set that benchmark that they didn't get there. Uh, but it wasn't because of Robert Johnson. He He's a guy who's been up and down this year, but he did tonight everything that you would ask him to do and really led his team. There just weren't enough guys out there who were capable of being able to follow in a big enough way. And that's why Indiana lost in a, in a non-competitive fashion, even though they competed, the game obviously wasn't competitive as Michigan state wins going away. So Ryan, let's talk a little bit about Maryland coming up. Obviously this is the segment that Andy usually takes. And so we won't talk too much about it because you know, neither one of us can speak too authoritatively on Maryland. But they are a team that is 15 and six. Again, top 40 in Ken Palm. Uh, I think, you know, they were a team coming into the season that a, a lot of people had high hopes for because they had that freshman class last year of Cowan, Herter, and Justin Jackson that really showed people a lot. And obviously, Jackson getting hurt has really put a crimp in those plans. But Cowan has been a really good player. Herter has played well. He's shooting, you know, 46.8% uh, from downtown. Uh, so those are two guys that are, uh, you know, using a lot of possessions for them, playing a lot of minutes for them. Uh, those are their two key guys. But you know, they come in, they beat Minnesota at home by 11. Minnesota is absolutely reeling. So I'm not really sure what wins against Minnesota are worth these days, especially at Sadly, home. Sadly, yeah. Yeah, but but prior to that, they had lost three out of four. They lost to Michigan, they lost to Ohio State, and they lost to Michigan State. Uh, in fact, they got their doors blown off by Michigan State 91 to 61. So, you know, similar kind of to what happened to Indiana. So, you know, they seem... I mean, I think coming into tonight, you would have said it kind of seems like Indiana and Maryland are kind of on equal footing. Obviously, without Juwan Morgan, that probably changes a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see who Indiana has available. Um, but I think this Maryland team, they come in, they're certainly capable of winning a game on the road uh, at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, especially if Morgan can't play. Uh, but the two guys to really look for are Cowan and Herter. Uh, and they're a team that's been pretty good offensively this year. You know, they're top 40 in the country in effective field goal percentage. They've shot well from downtown. Uh, they are turning the ball over a lot. They turn it over 21%. So that's about 290th. Uh, and they don't force a ton of turnover. So I think for Indiana, if you're looking at a formula for how you compensate for not having Morgan, you take care of the ball so that you get yourself as many shots as possible, as many opportunities as possible. And then you just play balls out pressure defense and hope that you can force some turnovers and get yourself some transition opportunities where maybe you know the lack of a guy in Jawan Morgan, who's really your go-to player in the half court, maybe you can you know avoid uh, some possessions uh, uh, you know where where that is a glaring hole because you can get out in transition. So that would be my uh, my early keys to the game in this one. Any thoughts uh, on Maryland or this Maryland game coming up? Yeah, I thought I thought this was a pretty even matchup with Morgan. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, it's really going to depend on on the philosophy. What does Archie do? Does he look to spread the floor and maybe rely on Indiana shooting, which has not been reliable? Uh, you know, I, but better I, a little bit better. I mean, sure. no, better on, but, on but good again, looks. I will say this: on good looks, it feels like we're shooting better. Yeah. You know, tonight we didn't have a lot of good looks, but I feel like on good looks we're hitting a little more. Trying to be positive. My my question is just you know where do they go uh, for offense when Jawan's not on the floor and it's going to be it's going to be tough to find spots, especially because you know you figure Maryland's going to try and take Robert Johnson away. You figure they're going to try and let McRoberts leave him alone and make let him shoot. Uh, you know, so where do you go for offense? And it's it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a tough matchup, um, and they're going to have to you know 
put it, they're going to have to put something together uh, uh, creatively to, to make that happen. Um, all righty. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com. Promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and it is time for last call or closing statements on tonight's Indiana loss. Ryan, lead us off. You know, that was just, man, enjoy watching that Michigan State team. That's a really, really good team when you get the chance. I mean, that, you know, sometimes you don't want your opponents to be, uh, you know, you want teams that aren't Indiana to be really fun to watch, but that team's really fun to watch sometimes, you know. And, and so I would advise people, uh, it's a unique team that that is one of the better teams we've seen, in, uh, talent-wise, that we've seen in college basketball in a long time. I don't like Duke either, but when they're playing well, they're fun to watch too. Um, so I, I would just say, you know, that was a, a performance uh, that was worthy of, of Michigan State. And, and Indiana just had a rough one on the road tonight in the Big Ten. And uh, hopefully these guys learned a lot of lessons tonight, especially the young guys and stuff they can build off of for uh, you know the next couple of weeks. And, and hopefully uh, we get some good news on Juwan Morgan because that would be a devastating uh, loss, especially considering you got Maryland and then a road game and then Purdue coming up. So it's a tough stretch for Indiana, especially one to lose your your clearly the guy who's your best player yeah you know and tony had a good point in the chat you know uh, based on what i said there about indiana shooting better on on open looks really that's basically robert johnson is the only guy who's shooting better on open looks because colin hartman didn't shoot well obviously Devonte green didn't make his new kirk uh, from straight on is the only is the only other new kirk from straight on is money it is man i'm telling you and, and you know what it's like there have been times where he's he shot a little quick from there and i'm like you know what no i'm okay with that because he's been shooting well from there but everywhere yeah. else i'm kind of like Ey. Yeah, no, but at least it's a good sign that Robert Johnson's making history. So I think if you're looking for positives to take from this game, and there certainly aren't many, uh, I think obviously the fight that Indiana showed in the second half, you know, to, to, to at least win that about 10 minute segment after Archie Miller's timeout, I thought that was a good sign. And I think for a team that's going to have to rely on its guards and its outside shooting, if Jawan Morgan is out for any extended period of time, and even if Morgan is back, you know, this was still a team that was going to uh, kind of go as its guards went. I think seeing Robert Johnson play the way that he did tonight, that is a template for future success. And so if this is a sign of what we can expect from Robert consistently, and I don't think he's obviously not going to make four for six from downtown every single game, but if he's playing with this kind of aggression and, and hitting the boards hard and not having some of the silly turnovers and still able to play decent defense on the other end, that is... That is what Indiana is going to have to have. I mean, he is going to have to lead this team to to wherever they're going to go here the rest of the second half of the season. And so I thought that was good to see. And I mean, look, we all know, especially if Morgan is out, some expectations are going to have to be reset. Uh, we spent some time on the radio show. Obviously, the NCAA tournament still hasn't been a legitimate conversation but started talking about whether making the NIT was legit and whether that would kind of be success for this team. And without Juwan Morgan now, I think you're really going to be pressing just to do that and just to get on an NIT bubble. So you hate to have fluctuating standards as you go through a season, but this is Archie hasn't yet built up the program yet. And the roster management leading up to this season wasn't good enough to where you really feel good about being able to sustain, um, 
you know, Curtis Jones not developing at all and then transferring and Deron Davis getting hurt and then Jawan Morgan getting hurt. There's just not a deep enough roster to sustain that. So I think you can be obstinate and kind of say, well, you know, we should still win every game and this is Indiana, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, the reality is I think the expectations have to shift a little bit now. And I think we have to continue to look for the little things that suggest that the program is going in the right direction. And it's pretty easy to look at an 85-57 loss in a macro sense and say, okay, Indiana is far, far away from the elite teams in the Big Ten. And that is certainly true. But I thought there were some little things tonight in the second half that showed some growth even from a few weeks ago. You think about the second half against Wisconsin and how non-competitive Indiana was, even in a game they had a chance to win. And tonight, they really didn't even have a chance to win in the second half. But for a long stretch of that second half, they played like it. And I think that's the impact of Archie Miller uh, and, and holding the team to that standard. And I think seeing seniors like Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk bounce back from some of those struggles early in the year and be guys that you can start to count on now is important for leading some of the younger guys. So I do think even in a loss like this, there are some things that you can look at and point to as good signs for the future. Now the key is in environments that are less hostile than the Breslin Center and against opponents that are less just clearly dominant uh, over Indiana than Michigan State, can these Hoosiers find a way to scratch and claw and compete and get some more wins uh, as we move through the season? I think they will. It'll be interesting to see what games uh, those happen in, and certainly some of that will be dependent on Juwan Morgan. But a few positives to take on a night that was otherwise you know, pretty pretty demoralizing, uh, and uh, hopefully it doesn't get worse with bad news about Juwan Morgan, but we will await that. Uh, and we will talk to you on Monday night after the Maryland game. But that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter so that you get our six banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails. Thank you as always for listening. We will talk to you again Monday night after the Maryland game. And then it's a quick turnaround again after that uh, as Indiana then goes on the road and plays Illinois on Wednesday night. So we will have two shows in three days at the beginning of next week for you. We hope that you will join us for those. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.